clearly my guest, Karina F. Days wants to do the intro. Go ahead, girl. Do the intro for us. Do it. Welcome back to another week of Growing Up Latina, where we are featuring the wonderful Allie V. Y'all know she's amazing. Y'all know she's epic. I mean, to be able to just share space with her is will be unforgettable for me. Two Latinas in the room, being able to spread our love and joy to everybody out there. And this podcast today will be remembered because God is in the room. Amen. Yes. Okay. Amen. So Growing Up Latina is about giving Latinas their flowers. And today, I swear, I swear it's on Growing Up Latina podcast and it's also on my TikTok at Growing Up Latina. Oh my gosh. Where the theme of the show is to give Latinas their flowers. So today, Karina, my guest for today, actually gave me my flowers. Wow. And that's why when you came in, I was like, oh my God, I cannot believe that you can. I'm like, I'm supposed to be giving you your flowers. (laughs) So guys, for anyone that's listening on the audio side, she gave me beautiful sunflowers with a card, (laughs) which I'm about to open. Okay. I'm going to open it. Okay, Can yeah, I open yeah, it? Yeah, open the card. Okay. You'll love it. Don't worry. Okay. Yeah, it'll be a good, a good so I'm gonna one. I'm going to show it. Boom. Yes. Alley. Do you have um, waterproof eyeliner and stuff on? Stop. <laughs> so it says thanks on the outside of the card. Yes. Allie, there will always be enough Latina. Oh, That's right. There will. Okay, wait, wait. Allie, there will always be enough Latinas. Always. Thank you for allowing to share space with you. Thank you for allowing to share space with you from Karina. Karina. Yes. I'm going to tell you where this came from. Yes, tell them. So we were on the phone um, like a few days before this interview. Mm -hmm. And we were just touching space. I mean, touching touching base. Oh, Mm -hmm. my God. Touching space base. And I was telling you that one of my friends told me, um, are you going to reach a ceiling with your podcast? And I'm like, no, what do you mean? And he said, are there enough Latinas out there for mm-hmm. you to interview? I'm like, there's so many of us. Mm-hmm. There's so, And you actually laughed when I told yeah. you. You were like, what? Like, who would say that? Yeah. There's I'm like, give so- me their number. <laughs> yeah, that's the stupidest thing you could ever oh say. Oh, my God. <laughs> thank you so much. Of course. Like, thank you. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Oh I want God. you to put that somewhere to remind you. Because we're making more. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what you told me. Yeah. I was that's like, exactly I what said, you Ali, said. I said, we will never run out. We we're literally producing out. more. Yes. And I really, I. No, on God, I, I, I had no idea about oh the flowers. God. And I've listened to your podcast. So I'm like, where, which soundbite did I miss? Um, but now I'm going to follow you on TikTok. Yes. Follow us on TikTok. <laughs> welcome, welcome, yes. welcome to the show. You made it. I made it. Yes. Oh, my God. Tell everybody, because it's so crazy how you and I kind of connected. Yeah. Because you were sliding through my DMs. And I tell people all the time, I'm like, feel free to DM me because I answer my DMs. Yes. I actually, I am the one that responds. It's not a team. Yes. Um, And I always welcome that. And I love when um, people are just not shy to just, like, say, hey, you know, like, what's going on? And you were very supportive. Yeah. It wasn't like a weird thing with you. No, it was just thanks. like, hey, I'm here. I'm, you know, I'm watching. Like, any way I can help. And I was like, yes, like, come on the show. Yeah. And so now we're here. Yes. I had seen 
You know, Instagram and TikTok, they listen to you. And I had mm-hmm. seen Yessi on your show, a, yes. a soundbite from her, and she was mm-hmm. talking a lot um, about the last couple of years, and her soundbite really resonated with me. And then I saw the name of the podcast, and I was like, growing up Latina, I'm like, we should all be on there. Yeah. And so I reached out, and I was like, hi, um, my name's Karina. Um, I, If you ever need a guest or whatever, I would love to collaborate with you. And I think your response was like, I'm really busy for the next couple of weeks, but I would love to have you on, yeah. circle back. And I think in January, I was like, okay, I'm ready. <laughs> I'm circling back. <laughs> I'm circling back. When are we doing this? Yeah. yeah. And now you're here. I'm here. Amen. Yeah. Oh my God. And then we got on the phone and we spoke for like, how yeah. long? Like Close to an hour. Close to an hour. Can I just tell you something though? Tell me. So I had put my kids to bed mm-hmm. and... Um, I usually will go into my office to take calls, like mm-hmm. go to the first floor. And God told me, stay in the dark, like stay in your bedroom. And I was like, why? And for me now thinking back, it was because there was going to be a level of intimacy between two women. And mm-hmm. I was like, that's amazing. So then I grabbed my phone, I called you, and we just started talking about everything. everything. It was so bizarre. I remember the moment that you were like, can I just be transparent with you? I and I said, okay, go. And you shared and I listened and then I shared and you listened. It was like, we had both. And we were about to be in tears. We, we were like, uh, <laughs> we're about to cry. And I was like, Ellie, I get it because X, Y, Z. And then you were like, what? And I'm like, yes. And yeah. then I'm like, what? Why don't you sleep? We need to talk about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and um, I literally, if you can just imagine I literally was sitting at the edge of my bed on the floor with my knees to my stomach in the dark Mm. just talking to you like two girls in high school talking to each other does this happen often to you no 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 that was all holy spirit led like I think that especially when I started um like my business a couple years ago with life coaching for women and helping them in their relationships I was nine months pregnant with Mm -hmm. my son Levi and um I didn't really feel like building a crib or anything or like painting his room. And there was this one room in our house and I was praying and God was like, this is going to be your lab where you're going to help a lot of women. And I'm like, what? Mm. That's weird. And so I hired a painter. I took everything out of the room. I almost threw out like social security cards. I don't mm. know if you know people that just throw everything out, right, right. but you've met one today. <laughs> um, I throw Giving e- the real minimalistic <laughs> lifestyle. Yes, <laughs> I throw everything out. Right. And so moments like that where God speaks to me and gives me sort of like that gut instinct to do something, it doesn't happen as often as I wish it did. But when it happens, I'm I know that I will regret if I'm not obedient. So mm. I was like, there's a reason why I have to stay in this room in the dark talking to her. And there was. And it was, was so funny because when I spoke to you, I said, so is there anything you need? Because I usually like to drink like a little bubbly. <laughs> and you said, girl, I drink. I just have a relationship with God. <laughs> and the answer was so perfect. I'm like, wow, I just have a relationship with God. Like that mm-hmm. was just like a beautiful answer. Yeah. Um, no, you asked, you didn't ask, do you need anything? You asked, do you drink? Do I? Yeah, yes. You I said, did. do you drink? I said, of course I drink. <laughs> I was like, of course I drink. Yeah. I was like, I'm not religious. I have a relationship with God. And she, I remember you'd be like, oh. And I'm like, yeah. there's a difference, Ellen. We could talk about that. I was like, but there's a big difference. Yeah. 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 What do you feel is the difference? For me, you know, 
when I think about my relationship with God, I know that religion is a, is being like a checklist Christian, right? Mm-hmm. Where you go to church, you say a prayer, you read a scripture, you check things off, you go to a worship night, but you don't have that intimate relationship enough to hear his voice, enough mm-hmm. to really be able to discern and tell the difference of what he wants for you and what he doesn't want for you, like relationship-wise, money-wise, financial decisions. Like he, Ali, wants to be involved in everything you do from Mm -hmm. like you dyeing your hair a certain color Mm -hmm. to your partner or your friendship. Like, And I think that for a very long time, I was so connected more to idolizing the church as the building Mm -hmm. and the performance that was going on rather than seeking a relationship with God. And the first thing that I mentioned is what leads a lot of people away from God because there's so much judgment. Like we're just human. Pastors are just human people, right? Like leaders are just human people. And what ends up happening is that we get a very sour taste in our mouth because Plenty of times what happens is unfortunately people, these people can judge and use the word of God as a weapon and against you. Like, let's say you paint your nails or drink or do something like, oh, you know, that's God wouldn't like that. No, you can't talk to people like Mm -hmm. that. Like allow God to convict you, not people on earth. Our only job is to love you. So I think that that's definitely the difference, religion versus relationship. But have you always had a relationship with God? Because I feel like I've just been, not just been introduced, but I I think I had to hit rock bottom Mm -hmm. in order to build my relationship with God. Yeah. Okay. I thought, I didn't think I was going to cry, but okay. So um, don't worry. I bought waterproof mascara this morning. Um, (laughs) Okay. So what happened was I was raised Catholic. Okay. Um, my family's from Peru and we mm-hmm. came in the nineties and in North Jersey and very religious. So like you go to church on Easter, you go to church on mother's day, like certain things. Right. right, right. And then I got to college and I was dating this guy and he was like, I'm very into church. And I was like, okay. So for like a year I went to his church every Sunday, but conveniently it was across the street from our building. Mm-hmm. So It was a black church. I had a lot of fun. It was great. And then I didn't know God besides being with him. Mm. And I started to realize like, this isn't right. Right, right. And so then I went down this road where I was like, well, maybe I'm just spiritual. And then I was like, okay, maybe I'm just spiritual. And then I had a moment where I actually almost lost my life. And I woke up to... um, so I've never shared this story um, publicly. I was in my college room and I had woken up and I was vomiting and um, I saw this light and this woman and she had red hair and she put her hand on my back and she said it was going to be okay. And um, that was the moment that I said, if you don't believe in anything after that, then what is there mm-hmm. to believe in? Mm-hmm. And so I picked myself back up. I became better. I finished my last two years of school. And when I went to graduate school, I was dating this guy who I ended up being engaged to. Mm-hmm. And I actually made a podcast episode about it. It's called My Toxic Relationship because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it was super toxic. Yeah. But he brought me back to church. Mm-hmm. And that was when I started to have a relationship. But with him... He judged me a lot 
for my clothes. I always loved clothes. Right, right. And you're literally going to hate what happened next. But I was guilt-tripped into basically throwing out my entire wardrobe because there were, in his eyes, they were unfortunate people in the world. And why should I have what I had? And I was working three jobs. I was paying myself through graduate school. I was in a program that would pay for my graduate school. I had a a political fellowship. I was working nights, um, weekends. Mm -hmm. And so if I would get an A, I would buy myself a Michael Kors bag. And he would be like, that's dumb. There are children starving. And so through that relationship, I was like tugged because I was like, God, would God really be upset with me because I bought a Michael Kors bag? Right, like that right. doesn't seem right. But in his eyes, he went to the extreme. Like those are the extreme religious people. Right, right. Right. And so I had to be grateful that God really broke that up. Mm-hmm. Um it ended up uh the breakup was horrible. And I was in Delaware at the time, but it caused me to come back to Jersey, actually, because, dang, we really getting in deep here. All right, let me tell well, you Well, I that. do have one, one quick yeah, question. Yeah, ask me. Where was your family during this time? When I was with him? Yeah. They were home. And would you ever, like, tell them, confide in them, and say, hey, this is what I'm going through? Like, did you have that family dynamic where you can go mm-hmm. to your parents and say, this is what I'm dealing with? I love my parents, but no, we didn't have that type okay. of relationship because I was, I was the child of an of immigrant parents that was like, go to school, get your education, make your money. Right. So our relationship was very much based on accolades. Right. And making it, mm-hmm. and they were very supportive and they loved me. And I'm not saying that they wouldn't have picked up the phone if I called, but I didn't call them. So who? Who did you run to? Like who? I, well, I called the police. So oh. what ended up happening was that he, I had moved to Delaware. And during that time, I guess my move to Delaware really triggered him. Mm-hmm. And um, he, I went to visit him one night and I was getting ready. And I put my hand on his back while he was in the bathroom. And he grabbed me and threw me across the room. Oh. And I remember getting up and being like, this is not supposed to happen. And so I got up and I said, listen, um, I'm just going to call the cops, but I'm going to leave. And I left. I went back to Delaware and I cried a lot. And I don't know if you've ever cried on like cold bathroom floors, Mm -hmm. but I hadn't put my mascara on yet. And I was knees on the floor and I was pounding my fist into the cold bathroom floor and I said, God, get me the F out of Delaware. And I walked to my office and my computer went bing and it said, hey, Karina, we would love to have you back as an assistant social worker, but we can only pay you $15 an hour and only give you 30 hours a week. Mm. Mind you, seven years of school, masters, fellowships, all the buildup, full-time job, own house, like own apartment on my own. I literally wrote back, I'll be there in two weeks. Wow. I had to start all over. And I think that if it wasn't for migrating to this country, I wouldn't never had the resilience to even start over. You could take everything away from me right now and I would be able to start over again. That is so powerful. Mm-hmm. 
Stop. You can too. You know you can. Stop. I don't want to cry right now. It's true. You could take everything away from us. But the way that we're built, the way that we're engineered, the way that God has created us for moments for this, look around you. Created this. His hand is all over this. No matter how much they try to break us, they will never succeed. We will always prosper. Always. Always, Allie. So growing up, so I have my dad's Pentecostal mm -hmm. and my mom is, well, her, my grandmother's Roman Catholic. Mm. So it's like a completely oh, yeah. different, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like shift. Yeah. And so the belief system was different, mm -hmm. it's right? Extremely different. It's extremely different. <laughs> ext yeah. Extremely different. Um, but, you know, I have like my communion, my mm -hmm. confirmation. And I always felt like those, you know, when I, at the time, I didn't really understand it. Mm. I just felt like, well, this is what I'm supposed to do. If I want to get married, I have to get my confirmation. So yeah. let me just do it. It wasn't until, like I said, I hit rock bottom. Mm. And do you remember like precious moments? Yeah. So my mom got me a really cute, like precious moments Bible. Aww. And I swear I never read it. Like I, I just kind of put it off to the yeah, side. Yeah, yeah. And then I went through like what I called my greatest depression mm. which was like a, a heartbreak right it's mm. like those damn heartbreaks yeah, I've been that like albums all day playing seriously yeah so i went through that heartbreak and i found myself like not speaking to anyone i would actually mm. isolate um and i remember a friend telling me like it's not it's never good to isolate you need to be around people mm -hmm. and my thoughts would take me to like the darkest mm. places um and I just, I had a friend who told me, when you pray, put your knees on the floor. Like, put your knees on the ground. Like, really pray. Mm -hmm. And for some reason, I never forgot that. So now when I pray, mm -hmm. and I always tell people, I wake up very early, 4.30 in the morning. Yeah, call me. But the first person I speak to is God. Mm, I won't right. speak to anyone else. Mm -hmm. My first call mm -hmm. is to him mm -hmm. and then when I'm done mm -hmm. then I'll address everything else mm -hmm. but always to him first mm -hmm. yeah and that wasn't something that was taught is something that mm -hmm. it comes from within yeah and it comes from the suffering can we talk about that let's talk it, about yeah it. it comes from the suffering because for me like I just mentioned two situations where God was like I'm here and even then I remember I moved into this small apartment with these two guys mm -hmm. and I had my own room and I was like dating these guys at the time, not my roommates, other guys. Mm -hmm. And I had said, I was so disappointed because they were fooling around and nobody was serious. And I felt like I was just this mature 24 year old. And mm -hmm. then I was like, God, just send me my husband. <laughs> and I Is went- Is that what you asked for? That's what I did. <laughs> I was crying on my bed. And I was like, God, just send me my husband. I'm ready. And I went on a missions trip with my church to Uganda for nine days. And I came back. When I, when I was in Germany on a pit stop, I Instagram back in the day, and I think they still do it. They link your contacts to your people who you should follow. Yeah, yeah. So my husband comes up. And That's I was like. so wild. Yes. And so I DM him like, 
I think I must have – no, I followed him. And then I come back from the trip. It's a Sunday, and he doesn't follow me. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, that's awkward. So the history behind my husband and I is that we met in high school. We were 13. He was, like, basically – my first love, and mm. I'll never forget it. He used to give me pink roses and pink plastic roses because he says that his love for me would never die. <laughs> <laughs> That's why they were plastic. <laughs> and then I was like, I, and then I moved, and then we tried to date when I, w- when I first started college, but I was like, Terrence, like, I love you so much that I would totally get pregnant and not finish this degree. And he was like, you're so extreme. And I'm like, you don't understand. Like, I'm from immigrant parents. I cannot do anything but, like, finish this degree. So then he went off. um, He actually had his two beautiful daughters. And then we reconnected again when we were, like, 21 Mm -hmm. or 22. And I was like, I'm so sorry. Like, now I can't even take you serious because I'm getting my master's. And he was like, damn. And I'm like, I know. And I was like, but we could, you know, see each other. And he was like, he was like, okay, but like, I really want you seriously. And so then when I was 24, 25, I hit him up. I come back and I'm like, why isn't this guy following me? Mm-hmm. So I texted him like, hey, stranger. And immediately the bubbles showed up. Really? Yes. And he was like, hey. And I was like, what are you doing Wednesday? And he was like, oh, nothing. And I was like, let's go have a drink at this bar. I'll send him the address. And I was very forward, and I saw him that Wednesday. I gave him a card, and it was the day before his birthday. I mm-hmm. sang him happy birthday, and four months after that date, we got married. What? Yeah, we've been married for 10 years, but four months wow. after that date. Because for me, that prayer was answered. Mm. I literally said, God, send me my husband. Like, I'm totally ready. But do you feel like you have to be specific with these things? Because <laughs> I feel like <laughs> I've been asking God for a husband, <laughs> but... I don't want just any husband. Like, I feel like I have to be very specific. specific. Not that it's a Christmas <laughs> wish list. Yes. But, you know. I knew that I wanted a man of God. Mm-hmm. And I knew that I wanted somebody that would be willing to do the work. And by the work, I meant that although we got married and we had God in the picture, it my marriage has been the most difficult relationship I've ever been in. Why? <laughs> it, because it's. It's, there's layers. There's layers. As much as it's fun, it's so hard. Yeah. And yeah. we were in our third year. And I remember telling my husband, we have to do something so radically different from our past generations in order for us to survive. And my husband knew exactly what I was talking about. And he was like, fine. I, I now want to go to therapy. Mm. But you need to find me a therapist that looks like me. And I'm like, Terrence, I come from that world. There are very few black male therapists. Mm -hmm. And he was like, that's my only condition. And I don't think that's too much to ask for. And I'm like, you're right. You're right. And Mm -hmm. I found this 70-something-year-old man, Dr. William Carr, bless Mm -hmm. his soul. And we get into our sessions. I had TJ, my, my Terrence Jr., my son. He was about three, four months old. We bring him to the sessions. And after a couple of sessions, Dr. Carr says, none of the issues that you both have with each other are actually with each other. Mm. You, Terrence, have daddy issues that you're still not over. And you, Karina, are still not over your parents' divorce. And I looked at him and I said, Dr. Carr, I am 20-whatever years old. My parents got divorced when I was 10. Why would I have any issues with my parents' divorce? And he was like, individual sessions immediately. 
Wow. You neither of you have done the work individually first. So and when you hear that, what was that moment? I was super pissed because I thought me and Dr. Carr were cool. Like I thought- I right. <laughs> got a relationship. Yeah, cool. I thought we were both social workers. I thought he was going to tell my husband like, you're wrong, all these things about him. And he straight up put a mirror to my face. And he was like, no, you're controlling. You're afraid of getting divorced so much that you're controlling mm. this relationship. And you, Terrence, have come from an upbringing that has made you not have empathy, that you can't even listen to your wife. Wow. It was on both ends. And so I, what does the individual therapy look like? Because <laughs> now I have questions. So, <laughs> so immediately after you go to individual therapy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and for years. For years. While also going to marriage therapy at the same time. It was a lot. We oh, were so there. you did the work we work. We did the work work. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And yeah. what was that like? I mean, it's very, for me, it was good and difficult because I came from that, mm -hmm. right? But I finally felt like I could talk to somebody and I really did trust our therapist and I think that's important. And I recognized why our therapist needed to look like us now in hindsight. Right. I didn't really think about that at first, mm -hmm. but he was able to pull things from us that also matched our culture. Like he was able to reason right. things that we suffered through to then bring it back to like, this is why, cause you're from here. Mm. Cause you grew up like this, right? And I'm like, yeah, how'd you know? He's like, it's what, it's what we do. And I'm like, oh, wow. we don't talk about stuff. And he's like, no. And I'm like, oh, and he's like, and he just, he took things out of us that, had been locked up as kids, you know, especially growing up Latina. Yeah. Um, many of us are told, you know, not to talk, to just put up with it. Mm -hmm. And then I think in my marriage, if I really think about it now, it was an opportunity for me to mandar, like demand. Yeah. You know, but I didn't know it was that. And he knew, my husband knows. <laughs> but so, okay, more questions. Um, <laughs> the unlocking mm -hmm. of like what your childhood was and some of the things that maybe you felt at the time was normal, mm -hmm. wasn't quite so normal, and now you're dealing with all this trauma. Mm -hmm. What was that like? Then do you have a conversation with your parents? Like, how do you navigate, navigate that? through that? Yeah, yeah. It's interesting. I did actually talk to my parents, and I knew that I needed to talk to my parents from a non-judgmental place, but more from a like, I understand. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I understand that migrating to this country was trauma enough. And starting like that made sense to them, as opposed to, you never taught me about 401ks, you never taught me about a healthy marriage, you never taught me how there. to raise my kids. Mm -hmm. And I remember thinking to myself, Karina, like you cannot come from that angle. But Ali, I was super pissed at first, like yeah. no lie, but I couldn't come to them pissed. I really needed to work through that and realized that my issues in my marriage had more to do with myself than my partner, that God had sent me my husband, but we were gonna do something different. And then I think after that conversation with my parents, a lot of things changed mm -hmm. in the sense that I introduced boundaries to my mm. mom. And you what know- What does that look like? What does boundaries <laughs> to your mom look like? Well, one, you just can't show up whenever you want to. Right. Um, and my mom was okay with that one. But she also didn't realize that she couldn't say what she always wanted to say. Mm. 
and about how I raised my kids, about how my house looked. I had this like anxiety before my mom or my family would come over that my house didn't look right. Like you'd want everything to be perfect. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. And then I realized, I don't know if anybody resonates with this, but I realized that every time I cleaned, I was super angry. Mm. And it's because all I did was watch my mom be very angry every time she cleaned and like complaining about how nobody helps her. And she, and I never even knew that nobody helped her. Maybe she just meant my dad didn't help her, you know, but right. it was like, nobody helps me. And so like for me, Every time I would clean on Saturday mornings, right, you would play music. That was the good memory, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. But then there was like so much anger. And mm. and I remember being like, I can't clean like this, even down to like those small things. And I remember my mom came over. That's so crazy. Isn't that crazy? That. Are you angry too? I'm not. No, I <laughs> actually, I'm not angry. I actually feel whenever I am, um, whenever I feel like I've lost control, mm -hmm. I start to clean. Because mm. I feel like that's the one thing I can control. Mm. So I control my space around me. Mm. And I automatically just clean, clean, clean. It's yeah. like, it's bizarre. So hearing you say that, because my mom was the same way, she would get so angry when she would clean. Yeah. And she would say the same thing, like, nobody's helping me. <laughs> I'm working. I got to mm -hmm. do this. And now I'm cleaning. And mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm just going to stay out of her way. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it caused so much friction. And I'm like, I can't pass that down to my kids. Did you have brothers and sisters? I had one. I have one sister. Okay. Yeah, yeah. She's um, seven years younger. Okay. She's amazing. I love her. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But I don't. I'm gonna cry if I talk about the last two years of my sister. What? Well, you know, I did share. My sister had blood cancer, but praise oh, God, yeah, she's yeah, in remission. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah but I love her very much, and yeah. she's in a better place. And I didn't want her to move out in October, but she did. You know, being in a house with us and yeah. four kids is a lot. So yeah. I get it. Um, but I miss her a lot. But Anyways, back to boundaries with my mom. I remember my mom came over one day mm -hmm. and she made me feel so guilty about using the dishwasher. We can't use the dishwasher, girl. <laughs> you know, you that's not how you clean dishes. That's not real. You and, actually have to do it. And she just busted my chops about it. And in busting my chops, she grabbed what she didn't know was my anniversary, my honeymoon cup. Right. I didn't have a wedding or a honeymoon. I got mm -hmm. married and we got married in court and then went on a weekend getaway to a wine festival. Uh -huh. So it was like a wine festival glass uh -huh, uh -huh. and she broke it. And I was like, oh, mom, it's my anniversary glass. And she looked at me and she was like, you'll get over it. And I remember being like, I have to say something. Normally I wouldn't. And so I was like, mom, we we can't treat each other like that, you know, like. It's not right, blah, blah, blah. And she kind of understood. In the back of my mind, I had to tell myself, my mom's been divorced three times. Mm. She may not value relationships the way you do. She may be in a dark place. Give her grace. Yeah. And then something told me, have a conversation with your mom about the spirit that she brings into your house, her spirit of anxiety, her spirit of like, what, when's this? What's this? Like that it's not, it's not good for her to be here right now. Mm-hmm. And so I did. I had the conversation with my mom on the porch. And I was like, Mom, I don't know if you got to go for a walk. I don't know if you got to see somebody. I was like, but we need a break. You took a break from your mom? I said, we need a break. And she was like, what did I do wrong? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, it's not that you did anything wrong. Mm -hmm. It's just that I feel your presence when you come into my house. It doesn't feel good. Mm -hmm. And 
I'm not trying to get into your business, but we just need some space. I'm not trying to fix you. It's not my assignment to fix you. I said, but we need some space. And my mom immediately was offended, was like, oh, you are trying to keep me away from your grandkid, my grandkids. Why would you even invite me to your house? And then she left abruptly and she called me a month later and told me I was right, <laughs> that she had been struggling and she didn't want to say anything because she didn't even know what she was struggling about. And I said, mom, it's okay. You're welcome back whenever you think you're ready. And she goes, I'll call you when I'm ready. Wow. Yeah. And how did she show up again when she actually oh, better. came back? Lighter, yeah. freer, open, more open. And that's the thing that like, I'm not trying to control the people in my relationships to act a certain way, but I do have to protect my family and protect right. what we're trying to build. And sometimes I think that boundaries get misconstrued as like these cutthroat things where you're like, you know, I'm not going to let anybody into any information or, or my house and all this other stuff. But like, that's called privacy. Right. Boundaries are more setting the tone of like where you draw the line. Mm -hmm. So for me, it was like I drew the line of my mom's anxious spirit being around in my household. That's where I drew the line. And I drew the line with her saying certain things about me and the way I was raising my kids or a, a glass breaking, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And that's that's it. But you have to deliver it with grace, not, you know, so much judgment. This language that you have, <laughs> this language meaning like you give it language, right? Mm -hmm. Like. Growing up, you don't hear grace. Mm. You don't hear the difference between boundaries and privacy. Mm -hmm. So where was this, like, where did you learn this? And where, like, now you becoming a life coach, like, mm -hmm. when did that happen for you? So I ended up, this is the third trial of suffering. So I remember three very okay. distinctly, right? And we spoke about two already. I was living a checklist human life. I had gone to college. I had got my degree. I started my career, married a man of God, a sexy man of God, by the way, Ooh, had had my first kid and we were saving for a home. And I felt like I was on top of the world, but in essence, like something was missing. And so I go to this birthday party. And before I go to the birthday party, I watch this Oprah episode about this guy who's being interviewed. And Oprah's like, what do you think about all of your suffering in your 30s? And the guy's like, oh, I asked for it. Mm. And she's like, what? And he's like, I prayed for it. I asked God to send me the lessons and the suffering now so that I could be in my glory days when I'm 50. And I was like, that's awkward. So <laughs> before I go to this party, uh -huh. I'm on the phone with my girlfriend and she's asking me to pray for her. And in praying for her, I say to God, I end up praying for myself. And I'm like, God, also like send me everything. Send me everything that you want me to go through that is going to stretch and grow. And I know that I will suffer, but send it anyway, because I want to learn the lessons now. Like, I am such an ambitious student. You ask God for this? I ask God. It's weird, right? It's so weird. Yes. And I was like, all right. And so that, oh I think, God. that was a Thursday or Wednesday. I go to a party that weekend, my girlfriend's party, and I'm having a blast. It's both of our birthdays. I never take off my heels at parties. That's my number one rule. Yeah, yeah. But that day I did. And my girlfriend was like, can I borrow your flip-flops? And I was like, sure. So I was barefoot. And uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love Meek Mill and Meek Mill was on and I was like, oh my God, I know this whole song, Dreams and Nightmares. So I start, yes. <laughs> I start rapping to it and I'm like, this is 
such a great song. <laughs> and I'm so excited. And my husband's watching me. He's like, yeah. And I'm like, yeah. And then I step forward and I'm like, ooh. And I'm like, oh, whatever. And I just keep singing. And I'm like, I think I twisted my ankle. And he's like, oh, that's right. So we keep oh, dancing. <laughs> so we keep dancing. Uh-huh. We stayed at that party till about three or four o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. And I get home. My sister-in-law was working at a foot doctor's office at the time. She comes in to our bedroom. I wake up crying in extreme pain. And she was like, it's, it's broken. And I'm like, are you sure? I go to the ER and they're like, it's broken. Happy birthday. It was my birthday. You oh need surgery. You need a plate and five pins and you have to be off of your, you know, your feet for a couple of weeks. And I'm like, okay. So I go to the IT guy. I duplicate my hard drive. I bring it home. This is before working from home was a thing. Right. Bring it home, whatever, whatever, thinking everything's over. January or end of December hits. I lose hearing in one of my ears. Hmm? Have this infection, lost 80% of my hearing. Nobody wanted to watch TV with me. It was horrible. Then my son goes in for tube surgery in his ear, um, in his ears, and he almost loses his life during surgery. Then my husband gets diagnosed with Lyme's disease. Then three of our cars get totaled. All in one year? All in one year. Then three of our cars get totaled right in front of our apartment, one after the other. And then I end up with a persistent infection in my body that causes me to live with a drain for the next two years. This drain needed to be tended to every few hours. No pools, limited sex life, in agony and in pain. Talk about the medical system. That's a whole nother podcast episode when it comes to people of color and not feeling seen or feeling heard. Mm -hmm. My doctor didn't believe that I was in the amount of pain that I was in and only gave me Tylenol. And I became numb. I started to look at my friendships. I realized that many of my friendships were toxic. My habits were toxic. Uh, There were many things that me as a parent, I wasn't doing right. I wasn't right. And I ended up having about five surgeries from that infection that ends up coming back. And I'm gonna tell you where the drain was because I think it's important to share. I had what's called an abscess. And you can get an abscess anywhere Mm -hmm. in, unfortunately, your heart, in your arm, anywhere. When I went into surgery, the doctor said, you can either wake up with a drain or you can be healed. And I wake up with a drain and I'm like, where's the drain? And he's like, it's in your butt. And I was like, what? And he's like, there's a drain in your butt. I'm like, in my butt? (laughs) He's like, yes, once the anesthesia triggers off, you will feel everything. I said, okay. So I ended up getting a second opinion after two surgeries. And the doctor was like, I am so sorry. I will not speak bad about your doctor because we all look up to him. But you should have been put on Valium from the first day. Oh my God. I said, why? And he's like, because the type of infection and where your infection is, you will never heal if you don't go to sleep. And I was like, oh. He's like, you're awake in pain. Your body can't heal. You need to rest. Rest is required. I'll never forget that. You told me that too. Yes. And I was like, okay. So he's like, this is what we're going to do. You're going to wake up. You're going to eat. You're going to do what you need to do fast. You're going to take the Valium. You're going to go to sleep. You're going to wake up for lunch, do the same. And then at nighttime, you're going to do the same thing. Mm. And I was like, for how long? 
And he said, until you're healed. And he says, what are you afraid of? Tell me now. And I said, I'm afraid of getting addicted to this drug. Mm -hmm. I said, that's all I know is that people get addicted to these painkillers. And he's like, it's okay. You won't. The minute that you feel like you're there, call me. And I said, okay. And so I would wake up. I would pray. I would shower. I would scream in the shower, get out. I would scream in the shower, why me? (laughs) Right? Because when you're suffering, you're asking, why me? And through that is where I learned toxic relationships, is where I learned boundaries, is where I learned decision-making, is where I learned how to discern the difference of something that is fruitful for you and something that is not, something that has ended its season and something that needs to be pruned in your mm-hmm. life, right? There's a, time to, there's a time to plant and there's a time to prune. I learned all through that. And the last thing was that God was like, there's also things that you need to empty in your house. And I'm like, my house? I'm like, I live in a 700-foot square apartment. Like, yeah. what could I empty? And I remember my husband and I prayed, and we started just the minimalist life, yeah, yeah. taking things out of our home. And after that, within six months, I was healed. We ended up finding a home, a beautiful home that we were searching for a very long time. Mm-hmm. My husband was healed from his Lyme's disease. Our bank account, our savings account, everything was just flowing. I had gotten my body back. We were going on vacations, the kids were okay, and we were back to not just normalcy, but we were back to living in our victory. Mm. And I think that sometimes, especially women and women of color, we're so used to suffering that we forget what victory tastes like. Mm -hmm. In that moment when you were in there, could you see that future of like your victory? No. You couldn't see it? No. I had to trust that I was just, it was gonna happen. God only gave me one vision and that was of a house. So my husband woke up one day and my husband's a race car driver. That's his passion, his love and his hobby. He builds race cars. And he said, honey, we should, I think God, God is telling us we should move to Texas. I'm like, hold up. Is that what God's telling you? <laughs> I'm like, because Texas is next to Oklahoma. Right. And you love Oklahoma because Oklahoma is the center of racing. Mm-hmm. So what what is, what is going on? And yeah, he's yeah. like, no, like, I really feel we should go to Texas. So Ali, I apply to jobs in Texas. Mind you, I was on my third surgery. So I end up getting an interview in Texas. They want to fly me out. They want to fly me out two days after my surgery. Mm. I'm in, like, yeah. in so much pain on the plane everywhere. Especially right? the pressure of the plane. Yep. I can't. She sends me the agenda. The agenda is about an eight-hour long day interview. I'm not even at the point where I'm walking right. Mm. So I put on a suit and I take Tylenol and I go and I take multiple what she thinks are pee breaks. But I'm literally going to the bathroom to cry, reset, and go back in. And at the end of the day, we didn't get the I didn't get the job. My husband ends up interviewing while we're out there too. He gets mm. the job. Right. And then we actually toured with the realtor. So we're in this house in Texas. You know, everything in Texas is huge. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, God, how do I get my hands on this house? How do I get here? And I get back in the car and God is like, just wait and see. I have more. And I'm like, what? And now I realize, Allie, that that Texas move, that Texas trip was just him showing us a tunnel vision of what was to come. Mm. 
Mm. He couldn't just show it to me like in a vision. Like I had to physically see and experience yeah. that together and be like, oh. And so when we finally got her home, he said, we really we automatically knew it was our house mm -hmm. and we hadn't even finished seeing it. Mm -hmm. But I heard God tell us this is this will be a place of refuge. So I ended up calling border control because there was a lot of kids migrating from Mexico. Mm -hmm. And I was like, hey, can I take some kids in or whatever? And they're like, no, we're keeping them in Camden. You're in Trenton, yada, yada, yada. I'm like, what? I'm like, this is weird. This is supposed to be a house of refuge. Right, right. <laughs> and um, a year later, uh, my sister Stacy was diagnosed with blood cancer. And immediately I said, you need to move in with me because God told me that my house was going to be a place of refuge. I have an entire in-law suite for you bedroom, kitchen, living room that nobody is using. It's for you. Oh my God. And she was like, okay. Yeah. How do you know when God speaks to you? It's not like there's an intercom that goes off. <laughs> <Right>. like, <laughs> like, where do you get that feeling from? Because I remember yeah. hearing, um, I forgot who, DJ Envy. Mm -hmm. DJ Envy and his wife, Gia, they mm -hmm. were going through like a really difficult time. Mm -hmm. And and his her best to, friend flew out. Yes, yes, yes. And because God she, told him to take care yes, of him. Yeah. And she said, "Where did you hear this from?" She's like, and her friend is like, "I don't know. God just spoke to me." Mm -hmm. And then Tyrese, mm -hmm. who they never met, goes, you know, to he sings for them, and at the end of you know, I guess he sang a couple of songs. He speaks to them, mm -hmm. and. She's Gia, DJ Envy's wife, is like, where where have you heard this from? Mm -hmm. Like where like no, she said, Why are you here? Mm -hmm. You don't know us, you have no dog in this fight. Mm -hmm. And he's like, I don't know. God sent me here. Mm -hmm. And she's like, Is this in the Bible? Like, have you <laughs> like why yeah. is this verbatim? Yeah, and yeah, he's yeah. Like, I don't know. This yeah. is just what God is calling me to do. And so that's why I asked that question. Like, what is that feeling? Or when do you know yeah. when God is speaking to you? I think there has to be so much like stripping of the outside and so much need of worldly and people validation mm -hmm. that the only thing you depend on is him. That's how I know it's him. If I'm stuck in a comparison trap or I'm stuck in obsessing over a conversation or a relationship or something like that, I know that that's not what God, that's not where God wants me to be. He mm -hmm. wants me to just sit with him. And the longer I sit with him, the longer I can feel him tug me a certain way. And then words just start to appear. Like just imagine like sex in the city when the cursor is just blinking. Yeah. Then words just appear. And I'm like, oh, okay, I'll do that. And how do you know when you can be of service to others, when you can actually help someone else if you're in this, mm -hmm. I guess, suffering, quote unquote, suffering? Yeah. But you're still, because it seemed like you were still helping others while you were still going through your own pain. I think that I was and I wasn't to an extent. Mm -hmm. I think that I was definitely really focused on me and my family because I had never done that. I had been this people pleaser. And so... For me, I felt like I was recovering from that. And I was like, well, may the best men and women win. Yeah. Like, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. like may the odds be in your favor. Whoever's standing with me strong at the end of this suffering are really my friends. And only about three. Everybody else was offended. I've gotten mm. phone calls from people that have held their anger with me from that time. 
for years and have called me and said, can I talk to you? Sure, what's up? I'm really upset with you. Why? Yeah, yeah. Because you were always there for me and then you stopped being there for me. And I'm like, I'm so sorry. I didn't, I didn't, it was the first time that I didn't announce that I was suffering mm. because I always announced it. And I was always like, I need you, I need you, I need you. And this time God was like, I don't need you to need anybody but me. Mm -hmm. Call on me. Like you said, you wake up and talk to God first. Mm -hmm. I was like, I'm going to just call you. So all I got is you, these kids, and my husband. And so for me, it was like such a stripping. Essentially, I became a stripper. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I was just stripping things over and over again. And I don't think that there were perfect times, Allie, because there were so many times where I really didn't deliver what I needed to do. Like I didn't leave certain relationships as amicably as I wanted to, but I didn't know. Okay. You only do what you know to do at whatever capacity you have. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, I can't go backwards now. I can just go forward, right? And instead of guilt tripping myself, I just need to learn that this is an opportunity for me to grow. Mm. What do you think is missing in our culture? Something that you wish would change? Mm. I think that we talk so much about connection and community but i don't know if we're actually doing it mm. that's what i think is missing this what we have in what three four days is missing yeah that's what's missing right like that trust i think so many of us have been hurt so bad that it's so difficult to trust anybody else even in romantic relationships how many of us are unconsciously treating that person from previous relationships, right? Yeah. And so that happens in our community too, where we may not be able to trust as much and really connect and really vibe because of past her, yeah. right? Um, I recently went to a conference hosted by the Dream Lab called Self Made Mujer. Mm -hmm. And they asked me to pray in the beginning of it and then do a relationship um, uh, panel. And it was the first, it was the second time that I had met people that I didn't realize felt like they knew me so well. Like I had never met them. Yeah. And they were just like, I love your podcast. I love your reels. I love what you do. Like you've helped me in this and you've helped me in that. And I was just like, this is the connection. That connection is what we're missing. And I think that there's so many times where we can be vulnerable to do that. And then the other side is like, Mm. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Thank you for your time. Yeah, and we're yeah. not as open to receiving that, you know, mm -hmm. and then that hurts us. So I think for us, we're missing true, authentic connection and true community. I feel like I'm having a moment. I'm not going to lie, <laughs> because like recently I had this conversation with one of my girlfriends where I kind of always. I don't know. I, I guess you could say suffering. I'm not too sure. Maybe you could give me the language. <laughs> um, but I've always had this mentality because I have such a big family, right? Like mm -hmm. I ha and I speak about it on the podcast all the time about like me having like this huge like five brothers, four sisters. Wow. So I'm used to sharing, mm -hmm. and I'm used to people taking things away from me. Mm. Like all of my sisters or my brothers, things would be taken from me, or I had to hand things down. Mm -hmm. So as I got older. And now this shows up in my career, right? Where I always have this mentality, like, 
well, someone's out to get me. They're going to yeah. take this from me. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until, honestly, I started this podcast where I said, this is like the first time that I can remember in my career where it's no longer about me and someone's taking something away from me. It's more like I want to give it away. Mm. Like now I want to share my space. Yeah. And now it's no longer like it's being taken from me. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so yeah. that's why I'm like, I feel like I'm having a moment because <laughs> that's that's kind of the mentality that you grow up with. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so just hearing you, you know, even speak about it, I'm like, now I see because you never really know mm-hmm. until you reflect yeah. And you're like, okay, this is why now I am the way that I am. Yeah. So I just had a moment. <laughs> I love that. You, if my therapist were here, Haley, she's amazing. <laughs> she would tell you that what you're going through is a moment of dissonance, which means that like you're just breaking up with a former identity. And it's okay to grieve the old alley and step into the new alley. It doesn't mean that the old alley was bad or was dumb or any of that. It just means that that version of Ali doesn't serve you in this season of your life. So just Mm -hmm. step into her and amicably just break away. What season are you in right now? Oh my God, I'm having so much sex. (laughs) Yes, yes. (laughs) I am having so much fun. (laughs) I am having so much fun. Fun. I'm having so this. much sex. I'm having so much fun. I'm just, <laughs> my husband is like, what, Karina? Oh, my God. Okay. But also because, yes. okay. Tell me everything. Okay, two reasons why I'm having so much sex. Okay, let me tell you. One is because um, I, about three, four months ago, I, th- I took a cortisol test. Mm-hmm. And I realized, like, my energy is just really low. And I know I shouldn't be eating gluten, but I do it anyways. Right. So I stopped eating it again. And my energy came back. I'm not in my mood swings anymore. And the second reason is also because my husband recently had a vasectomy. And so you're like, let's Yes, go. everywhere. Yes. <laughs> and it's so interesting because I remember telling my husband, like, not in a controlling way, or maybe it was, I can't recall. I'm like, this is an equal opportunity household, okay? There are no gender roles, right? I'm like, I cannot be with somebody that is going to think that just because I have boobs and, you know, my part's down there that I'm the go-to. I don't want to be the go-to parent. I don't want to be the go-to for cooking and all that. And my husband was like, I have three sisters. Why would you think that? And I'm like, I don't know. (laughs) But let's just make it clear. But let's just make it clear. Yeah, yeah. He's a much better cook than I am. And recently, and this is why I'm having so much fun. I actually just got back from Israel for my job. I, I don't even talk about this this much, but I actually work in tech. Yes. Uh-huh. yes. You, got, you have to tell people I what know. you do. Are I you know. like uncomfortable in this space? Like what? No, I just think that I focus so much on the life coaching and the podcasting that I don't really talk about it that much, like but bomb it out. is my full-time job. Yes. And then people are super surprised. They're like, you're, you actually have kids. And I'm like, yeah, I have kids. And I have a husband who like, we spend time, we like each other. Um, but I remember telling my husband, like, we, this got to be a fair household. I was like, but I know that we're going to go through different seasons. So when you said seasons right now, are, I can tell you different layers. Okay. Right now, I'm in a season with my kids. I'll start there, mm-hmm. where I ha- my old our oldest, my stepdaughter is 17. Then Janae, who lives with us, she's 14, and then Terrence Jr. is seven, and Levi is three, Ooh. but he should be 40. <laughs> and right now, yeah. I am 
in the season of making sure that I cultivate such a safe space for my kids to be able to tell me everything they want to tell me without retribution. So we do these moments where we ask our kids, like, how we're doing as parents, but we don't get to rebuttal. We don't get to say, oh, well, we were tired. We we don't get to say anything. We just have to listen. And it's hard, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And so I want to make sure that the, I want to make sure that I'm raising girls that know that they don't have to do everything everybody says, that they can walk their own lane. And I'm raising boys that know to respect women, but also that this is a safe home base to come to about anything, right? So like, I remember telling TJ a lot of times, like I would be like, did anybody touch you in school today, right? Mm -hmm. And I remember one day I picked him up and he was like, mom, nobody touched me today. And I'm like, oh my gosh. You know, so I would say that with our kids, it's the right now we're in a season of cultivating a safe space Mm -hmm. and they tell us a lot of stuff like a lot. Like our daughter told us the other day that she was on some roof with her friends. I'm like, oh my God. I'm like, what? I'm like, oh, that sounds kind of cool. Um, How how did you get up there? Um, I thought you were just going to five and below. Um, But okay, (laughs) now noted. Um, But I had to like react, right? Like nothing was happening. And then. I would say in my marriage, my husband actually gave up his career um, in January of 10 years working in Nissan Mm -hmm. because I got this tech job. And the only way that it would work is that if he worked closer to home, transitioned careers completely, got a huge salary cut, and I could live up this career Um, sort of like achievement that I've always wanted to do and work in tech. And I'm not saying that it's the best thing I've ever accomplished, but I knew I wanted to do it. I knew I wanted this experience. And so in our marriage, we're in that season of of a lot of grace and a lot of give and take. Right, right. And um, my husband, he is my mirror. Like he's my best friend, but he, he, he doesn't hold back. Right. (laughs) And I don't always like what he says, but same goes for me, right? Yeah. For him. Um, and I would say in my personal life, as just like me as an individual and as a woman, I'm in a season of really having a lot of fun and not shaming myself. And I think that I can sit here and talk about all the stuff we've ever been through. I've made a lot of mistakes. I know I've hurt people. I know that I haven't always made the best choice. Yeah. But I think that everybody should have the opportunity to grow and the opportunity to change and the opportunity to impact. And all I want to do in this season is help people, specifically women, overcome the number one issue in their relationships. And I want to do that because God is calling me to do that and because the suffering that I endured has equipped me to be able to help and serve more women to do that. And that's the season that I'm in. That's where I'm at. I love the way you speak. <laughs> it's so powerful. You know Thanks. what's funny? I was watching an interview that Jennifer Lopez had, mm-hmm. and I forgot who was J-Lo's therapist at the time. Oh. I forgot. It's not coming to me. But what I do remember was she was getting a divorce with Mark Anthony. She had these two babies. And this was like what she felt was her greatest failure. Mm. So she goes to therapy and, you know, the therapist is like, well, why are you here? And she's like, you know, I'm going through a divorce. And she's like, that's tough. And then she's like, "Um, you know, I'm not 
the therapist tells her, I'm, I'm not, I'm not trying to heal you from your divorce. Mm -hmm. I'm only going to, she was like, in my practice, I, I always speak to my clients and, and try to figure out the relationship with themselves. Yeah. Because as long as mm -hmm. they can heal themselves and everything around them. Yes. Yes. And fix, yes. Amen. Yeah. It would heal. Yeah. And it's so interesting because usually the number one issue in people's relationships is how they're showing up mm -hmm. and what's going on with them and the things that like one of my clients who I love so much, I made a reel about her, which is that she, she married her toxic mom. Oh. Right. And so she just continued the cycle of that trauma and that hurt mm -hmm. until she realized and woke up one day like I, I can't I can't be in this relationship I can't do this anymore and we just focus on her and how she can be healed and how she can show up the way she wants to because what ends up happening is we lose ourselves in right. a lot of relationships through a lot of times and God doesn't want that for us no. he built us sexy and fierce like That's we should right. be out there having a good time That's right. and I just want to have a good time and I just I thank you for having me here. I'm, I'm, I feel like one of the things we spoke about, the last thing I'll say is I was always not embarrassed of being Latina, but I never felt like I fit in because I didn't look like anybody. Mm -hmm. Back in the day, it was just people from Puerto Rico and DR. Mm -hmm. There wasn't Peruvians and South Americans. And so I figured that my features weren't acceptable. And I remember shaming myself and being shamed by other people in school that my nose was too wide, that my hair was too curly, that like I had developed too fast and I didn't look like the other Latinos. Mm -hmm. And so I just want to share with you that like God is so present in this room right now, but like mm -hmm. I just want to share with you that like I'm so grateful to be here with you and that you're doing this work for us because I feel like what you're doing right now is telling 14 or 13 year old Karina that it's okay to be Latina, that it's okay to speak Spanish, that it's okay to eat ceviche and that it's okay to look the way that I look and sound the way that I sound. And I've never felt so accepted for being Latina till this very moment that I actually oh. had to think about it. And I just want you to know that what you're doing, this podcast, there will always be enough Latinas out there. And what you're doing is creating not just a situational impact. Ali, you are creating a generational impact that will move us. You are lifting us as you rise. God is speaking to you right now, but like you are lifting us as you rise. And if there is any ounce of doubt in your mind at any moment, you just read that card. There will always be enough of us. Continue to do this work, Allie. You were built to do this work. You were built to continue lifting us, continue lifting us. And we're, you don't have to do it alone. Like, we're going to lift with you, okay? You don't have to lift us all by yourself. But please, please, this is your season. This is your season to bring us to the forefront. We need you. I love you so much. I love you. <laughs> I received that. Thank you Amen. so much. Yeah. 
my God. Like, <laughs> I could say so many things right now. You literally left me speechless. But thank you so much because I know, like, even our relationship after this interview yeah. is going to continue to it grow is. and flourish. So thank you for being here. Yeah. Please tell everyone where they could find you, your <laughs> podcast. Okay. And all the I will, I will. Okay. So my name's Karina F. Days. <laughs> I'm a life coach and a podcaster, and my podcast is called One Day at a Time. If you're at a place in your life where you feel like there are some issues that are not allowing you to have the relationships that you want in your life, romantic relationships, your friendships, your relationships with your parents. I want to help you bring the peace that God wants to for you to have in your life. So you can visit me at KarinaFDaves.com. I also live on Instagram and TikTok, but please do not entertain the TikTok comments. They are brutal. Okay, you can find me at KarinaFDaves or listen to my podcast on Apple iTunes, Spotify called One Day at a Time. I love you so much. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. 